this is Matthew Tilly, and I am coming to you with the Seeking Christ in the Scriptures podcast. Uh, this is a time where uh, about once a week I will delve into a passage of Scripture, and right now we're looking at the first three chapters of Mark. Delve into a passage of Scripture, just to study what's there. It's a little bit of a Bible study, a little bit of a uh, devotional, I suppose, but I'm hopeful there's a few of you that are joining in, listening in uh, week after week, and hearing what I'm saying, and maybe I'm um, um, augmenting, adding to what you're doing on your own study, but I'm hopeful you're opening the Word of God yourself, reading it, meditating on it, studying on it, and again, maybe I'm just prompting some thoughts for you, maybe getting you to maybe answering some questions that you have. Uh, that's my hope, anyway. And um, and to make that even more useful, I always try to make it make it available, especially those of you that are watching me live. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you have the opportunity there to make comments, ask questions, reach out to me. And of course, many of you I know personally, so you know how to get in touch with me. Feel free to uh, give me a call, uh, send me a text message or an email, or even uh, we'll just connect live and uh, talk about some of these things. So uh, I, I'm a firm believer <clears throat> that the way that we grow spiritually, certainly we there's a there's a private devotional time, uh, connection with the Lord that we each need to have. And, and you need to have that on your own. You need to speak to the Lord. He needs to be your friend. Uh, God is is your, he's your savior. He is your, um, he's your king. There's all those sort of above you kinds of things, but there's also a very personal, he is, he is your Lord. He is your friend. He is your uh, comforter. Um, so you need to have that on your own, but um, there is a lot of value of the believers coming together, encouraging each other. We do this in big forms on Sundays. We gather together and worship together. We do this in small ways. Maybe it's a small group of people, some friends, or maybe you get together on a Wednesday night as a, as a church and do a Bible study. But there's a lot of value in all those things, but never, never to neglect any one of them. Not at all. So I'm hopeful this is not a replacement for anything you're doing, but maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, some add-ons to the uh, to the, uh, the the study and the, the worship that you're doing. I hope so. And uh, again, always uh, glad to hear from you. Many of you have. Thank you so much for letting me know you're listening, and uh, that this is uh, some kind of an encouragement help to you. It really means a lot to me. So uh, tonight's study will be in um, Mark chapter one. We're going to finish Mark chapter one. Uh, I can't remember how many weeks I'm into this, but I'm a few weeks into this and I'm finally finishing chapter one. Uh, but we're going to get into chapters two and three. And uh, I think if, if I recall correctly in my study uh, that at least chapter two goes a little bit quicker. Uh, there's some bigger chunks there, but we'll, we'll, we're not, we're not going to rush through it. We're going to take our time to get through it and look at this. But tonight we're going to see how Jesus, I mean, he heals a man. He help, he helps a man who is a leper. Um, and I've titled this study uh, that Jesus loves enough to help. Now, what's left out of that? And I'll go ahead and, you know, no, no spoilers here, nothing like that. So what's left out of that title, though, is the if he loves enough to help, what does that mean that I ought to be willing to do? I want you to see that uh, as we study through this together. Before I begin, though, <clears throat> I'm going to just ask the Lord to help me. Um, 
I do this again. I'll just remind you the reason I do this. One is I need the help. That's honestly why I do it. Second of all, I'm hopefully hopeful that I'm modeling to you something that is important as you study the scripture. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do this. This is not just a human exercise. We need the Holy Spirit's help. So I'm asking for that. Um, and then, of course, if you're ever in a teaching position, you want to do the same. You don't want to be teaching your own thoughts. You want the Lord to be helping you and walking alongside. So let's pray together with that uh, with that goal in mind. Lord, you know that I'm um, I'm not really the 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 model uh, person that I ought to be. I never have been, never will be. But I will be what you make me. And I'm asking you to allow me to share with these people that are listening both now live as well as maybe those that are listening later, the things that you showed to me in the scripture, the things that they need to hear from the from, through your uh, through your spirit, through the, the words that are on the page, and help us to be different as a result. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I'm coughing a little bit or clearing my throat, um, my whole family has gone through one sickness after another, it's too much information. You didn't ask for it, but I'm telling you. And um, I think I have dodged it. Maybe I'm wishful thinking. I don't know. But I feel like I've dodged it up to this point. Uh, but I'm also dealing with this <clears throat> kind of thing in my throat. So apologies if that's irritating to you. I'll try to keep that to a minimum. But um, I think that's what's going on there. So I'm either on the verge of it or I'm just like figured out how to get around it by just chunking in all kinds of vitamins and everything else. I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's just me trying to be positive on this. But nonetheless, that's what I'm explaining to you, this little voice thing that's going on. So anyhow, we're in Mark chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 40. And it says, uh, we're introduced to a man. He says, there came a leper to him. The him is referring to Jesus. We meet this leper. Now, if you've heard Bible studies, you've done study of the scripture, you've heard preaching and things like that, you probably know something about leprosy. I don't know that we're introduced to it too much in the modern era. At least I haven't been, not in personal experience, only know it from the scripture, really. Um, but uh, this was a, a fairly painful uh, disease. Uh, so this guy was probably, this man we're about to see here, he's probably in a lot of pain as he's walking around in life. Um, there's uh, probably a whole lot of, lot of pain in his life. He's probably, it's probably a debilitating disease. Um, the nature of it would have, it would have disintegrated, you know, fingers and maybe even limbs. It would have definitely, um, made him lose feeling in some of his limbs. Uh, so lost, probably lost use of some of his major body parts. <clears throat> so it's very debilitating disease. And then on top of it all, because of the, the nature of it, plus there was a, there were sort of spiritual implications for the Jewish people, because if you go back to the, the law of Moses, there were very specific prescriptions on what they should and shouldn't do, what was clean and unclean. And leprosy was clearly in that category. So because of that, because of just some cultural things, but also some, some biblical principles that were laid down, if someone had leprosy, they were fully isolated from society. They were spiritually unclean. They were spiritually and socially unacceptable. So there, here's a man that we're meeting who is definitely on the fringe of society. He's on the outside. He is hurting in every way imaginable. He's isolated. He needs help. So we meet this man in verse 40. There's this leper that comes to Jesus. And look at what this man does. He's beseeching him. He beseeches. He's begging Jesus. He's begging. He said, please, Jesus, I need your help here. So he's beseeching him and he kneels down to him and saying unto him, he, this is what he says to Jesus, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I think we should hear what he's saying here. He's saying, 
I, if you can, if you want to do this, we, I know you can, in so many words, if you will, you can, I think there's faith in what he's saying. I think there's a uh, expectation in what he's saying. Um, but he also don't miss that. Even though there's a, there's a boldness that I know if you will, if you want to do this, Jesus, you can, there's a boldness to that, but he also understands his position. He's, he's coming to Jesus begging. He's coming to him fully expecting, but also knowing it was not his place. He was not his right to receive the healing that he wanted. And, and listen to what he asked for. Thou canst make me clean. Now, the cleaning and, and cleaning would be synonymous in some ways with healing, but I do think it's an important choice of words that he used there. He wants to be clean. His real request is to be cleaned, uh, not just healed. He does want to be healed of the disease. There's an underlying disease there, but it's really the stain and the consequence of that disease that he wants. He wants it so that not only is the pain gone and the cause of the pain gone, but he wants to be able to re-enter society. He wants to be able to worship at the temple. He wants these kinds of things that, that would be expected of, 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 a, of a man in his position uh, who doesn't have leprosy, of course. He wants to be able to do that, but he can't, not just because he has the disease. Yes, that's the cause, but he wants that cause gone and the uncleanness that comes with it. Now, it's also important to note as he's do doing this, he's coming to Jesus, he's kneeling down, he's begging, Please make me clean, clean me, God, clean me, clean me, Jesus. But even as he's doing that, it's important to note he's breaking the Mosaic law. He's not supposed to approach people. He's not supposed to be anywhere near clean, polite society, yet that's exactly where he is. And normally, if he'd have been doing this to anybody else, he would have been ignored. He'd have been cursed at. He would have been brushed off, just completely just get away from me, you dirty person. But and ultimately not get what he needed, which was cleaning and, uh, of course, healing as well. But he happens to be approaching, and we know this because we've been introduced to Jesus in verses 1 through 39. We, and we know what Jesus has been about has been going around healing people this whole time. So he happens to, if you can use that language, but he happens to uh, come upon the right person at the right time. Uh, he's coming upon Jesus. And... <clears throat> This person, Jesus, I mean, it's been his mission up to this point. But at the same time, don't, don't miss that Jesus has a lot going on. Uh, you just think about this practically. If you have the power to heal people, in fact, if you go to verse 37, I believe it is. Yes, verse 37. When they found him, they said to him, all men seek for thee. So his disciples say, listen, everybody's found out about your healing power and everybody's looking for you. And so you can imagine if you had the power to heal people and you walked around and people found out about that, I mean, you'd be mobbed everywhere you go. Um, that's exactly how Jesus is. In verse, in verse 39, he goes into the synagogues and he's everywhere he's going, he's casting out devils. So everywhere he's going, he's doing this. He's a busy man. He's got a lot of demands on his time. But look at what Jesus's response is in verse, uh, where did I leave it off here? In verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. Uh, there is sympathy in his heart, but that, that idea of being moved with compassion not only means that he was sort of soft-hearted and tender-hearted towards this man. He, I believe that's part of it, but there was almost a, uh, a, a, a sort of a, a, something, a gripping, a visceral response. Um, if you've, if maybe if you've had a child, and I remember 
this is the one that comes to mind immediately on this. Um, Isabel, my daughter, she just turned 19. She had her birthday yesterday, in fact. And uh, so happy birthday, Isabel. But uh, I remember when she was real little, she was a little bitty girl. And she, we were, we were living in Walnut Cove, North Carolina at the time. And we were, we, it was kind of out in sort of a real wooded area. And for one reason or another, she took off just walking down the road. I mean, this is a pretty rural back roads kind of place, but nonetheless, we didn't know which direction she had gone. She was gone. And I remember there was a feeling in my gut that, oh my goodness, I've just lost my daughter. And, and I didn't know. And she's little. I mean, she couldn't speak. She, you know, she didn't really have a, you know good language and all that. She was that little, but she was walking and toddling around. And I remember that gut wrenching feeling. That's the idea of this compassion that Jesus has. By the way, into that story, we found her. She was standing in the middle of the road. No cars coming, but we found her. She's recovered. As I just told you, she turned 19, so she's uh, she's doing pretty well. But anyway, get back to the story here uh, of Jesus. Here, uh, he's got he's got sympathy, but it is it is gut wrenching. He, he wants his heart goes out to this man. He loves this man. He really wants to help him. And look what he does. He puts forth his hand. Verse 41. And touched him. Now, me to touch a person, um, we do this all the time. It's not uncommon. So I'm not trying to make a bigger thing of this than it, than it is. The same time, this man has a leprosy. He's got a disease. He has got something that truly, uh, again, I don't know all the science behind it and the and the and the, 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 the medic, medicine behind it, but but ultimately there was concern by even touching the skin if not physically going to get leprosy, there would be an uncleanness. This was from the, 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 the law of Moses, that there would be an uncleanness that would come to the person just by making physical contact. But Jesus is so moved by this man, so wants to help him that he reaches out and touches the man, actually makes physical contact so that he would have been, had this man not been healed, he would have become ritually unclean. He would have not been able to go into the synagogues. He would have not been able to do some of the things that he was doing at the time. But as he, he reaches out and look what happens here, he says in verse 41, I will. The man asked him, if you want to, you can fix me. You can make me clean. And Jesus says, I want to. I'm going to do this for you. Be thou clean. And it says in verse 42 that as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. So we have here that not only that this man needed cleaning, he came to the right person and Jesus fixed him. He did exactly what was needed. I want you to see, first of all, in this, that Jesus did love this man. But second of all, I want to see that there's a personal application here that he loves us enough to bridge the gap from where he is to where we are. I, I won't read the passage, but if you wanted to do some study on it in Philippians chapter two, verses six, seven, and eight, that particular section of Philippians chapter two, it talks about how that he was God. Jesus Christ is God. It says that he was every, every right and privilege that is, that is associated with God he had. Yet he laid that aside so that he could put on himself robed in flesh. Now, to me and you, that's normal. I'm, I live in flesh. You, if you're alive and listening, you live in flesh. So that is just life. That's who we are. We're flesh. But he's God, and he created us 
what I have, what you see here, this, this flesh and this bone was created by God. That he created, he put on himself, laying aside some of his glory, never giving it up ultimately, but he is muting it, putting it to the side, saying, I don't, I'm going to, to, to put that on hold for now so that I can put on flesh. It's in some ways almost like putting on a mud suit. That's what he did. Why? So that he could come down to us. He could walk among us. That's what he did for us. So he loved this man enough to care. He loves us enough to care and to enter into our situation. Now, if you keep going, verse 42, it talks about how he is immediately healed. Now, one of the things I want you to notice about this, or you should pay attention to this, is that the, that the law of Moses is very much in action here. Uh, the law recognizes this disease. If you go back to the, the book of Leviticus, uh, chapters 13 and 14, there's, a, there's some specific things that you have to do. It's clean and unclean, and obviously leprosy would be one of the unclean things. Um, it would recognize this disease. Uh, the law had processes, procedures that would verify if you had leprosy and then you were healed of it and you were clean of it. There would be processes by which you would be verified to be clean. Um, there would be a way you could go from being unclean to clean if you had had this disease. But one of the things that the law never could do, never would do, is it would not heal a person. If Like this man here, he's got this leprosy. Yes, he wants to be clean, but you, no priest could come up to him and say, well, you're clean now. Not if you actually had the disease in you. You had to have the disease gone. Then there was a process by which you could be made clean. So the law could never make him clean. But what happens with this man, with Jesus? Jesus says, be thou clean, verse 41. Immediately the leprosy departs from him and he was clean. So, so what the law could never do, he was powerless to do, Jesus provides it. Now, Jesus loves this man. He's passionate. He, he's close to this man. He has proximity to him. So he's, he's on him and he's touching him. But he also has power over this disease. And this is what Jesus does. This is, this is who he was. I think this story is a nice encapsulation of who, who Jesus is. He, he enters into our situation. He knows what we're facing, but he doesn't just sit there and sort of cry with us or let us cry on his shoulder. He fixes it. He enters in and he fixes it. He's powerful. He loves you. And he is near to us. I was able to preach on Sunday um, from Matthew chapter one and verse 23 uh, about Jesus being Emmanuel. He is God with us. And when he is with us, this is what it means. Not just that he is there with us or he knows where we are, but that he is in our situation and he is transforming it. That's what he's, that's what he does. So he loves this man enough, not only to care, but to actually heal and change the situation. But the story's not over there. This is I think that's where we want to do the, the Hollywood ending and, and they lived happily ever after. But the gospel of Mark, all the gospels really, but, but the gospel of Mark is it's so real and there's a, there's a grittiness to it and a, and a reality to it that we don't want to overlook by closing off the story there because Mark doesn't do that. Look at what Mark does in verse 40, or rather relays to us in verse 43. So immediately this man's healed in verse 42, but verse 43, it says that he, Jesus, straightly or immediately charged him and forthwith sent him away. What he is saying in the King James uh, English that I'm reading there is Jesus spoke to this man and he says, listen, I got, a, I got a job for you. I need you to do some things. So, so here's what's going on. Jesus enters into this man's situation, gives him what he needs. He heals him of his disease. He cleans him. 
He makes him so he's got a path to, to, to reentering into society. He's going to have his healing, all the things that he needs. But then Jesus says, hang on a minute. I got some demands for you. Now, <clears throat> remember I told you about the law of Moses kind of figures pretty prominently here. Don't forget who wrote the law of Moses. I know I said it's the law of Moses, but it wasn't Moses's law. But we call it the law of Moses because it was given to Moses. But you know who wrote it? It's God's law. It was written by God. It was written by Jesus himself. Jesus, did, he, he did not just come into existence on, that, on that, that Christmas night, that first Christmas night. He didn't come into existence there. He is the pre-existing one. He is one of the members of the Godhead. He is the son of God. He is eternal. He has always existed. And the words he spoke the worlds into existence and the words that we call the book of the law, the books of the law, they were words that came from Jesus himself. So what is Jesus going to naturally do? If it is his word, what is he going to naturally do? Well, in verse 44, here's what he charged him to. Basically, let me summarize it this way to say, go follow the law. Do what the law tells somebody in your situation. Look what he says. Verse 44, see thou say nothing to any man. But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He is saying, listen, there is a prescribed way this needs to be done. I don't want you going talking to people about this. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to go to the priest. I want you to do the things that the book of Leviticus would have told you to do. That's what I want you to do. This is going to involve days of seclusion. There are going to be sacrifices. Uh, there would be this priestly atonement. Uh, all of that done in faith, looking forward to the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus all of that. And we don't have the time to, to really dig into that. It's an interesting study, but I just want you to know that what Jesus is doing is saying, hey man, follow the law. Do what I told you to do because there's a way to do this and we need to do that so that you can reintegrate with the people of God. In the application for us today, let me just simply say here that you know now that Jesus has died on the cross, that veil was ripped in the temple and we have that mediator between God and man and his name is Jesus Christ. I don't have to go to a priest. So, so we understand that because of what Jesus has done, that many of those uh, regulations of the law of Moses are no longer in effect because that has been replaced by what Jesus has done on the cross. But don't miss the whole point of the law of God. What is the law of God? It's the best way to live. That's what the entire... That's what the Bible is. This is God's word. And if we will take it seriously and hear what he says, it is actually the best instructions for how to live. So that's what, what essentially what Jesus is giving to this man. But listen to what the man does. Look at verse 45. But he went out, this man, and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. Now, I don't know if he went to the priest or not, I think Mark would have told us. So I'm going to have to go on basically the way, I mean, the Holy Spirit is, is not telling us that. So it's possible that he did. So I don't want to say he did absolutely not. I don't think he did. Uh, had he gone to the priest, I think it would have gone a very different way. But here we've got this man, despite Jesus being compassionate to him, despite the powerful healing that he experienced, despite the loving help that he gets from, from the Savior, 
this man does not obey Jesus. He does not do what Jesus told him to do. Like I said, no record of him going to the priest. He might have. I don't know. But there's no clear record of that. But we, there is a clear record of Jesus said, don't tell anybody. And what does he do? He, not only did he tell somebody, it's not like he just told his wife or, you know, one of his kids or his best friend or something like that. That's not what he did. What did he do? He went out and published it much and blazed it abroad, as the Bible says. He told everybody. He told everybody. Now, now, let's cut him a little bit of slack here. I understand wanting to tell somebody, if you had some terrible disease and you've been healed of that and it was miraculous and there's no other explanation for it, what do you want to do but tell somebody? So I get that. But the man who told you, rather the man who, who healed you, told you, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. What is you do? What are you going to do? You better listen to him. There's no question that he got the touch of Jesus, the the help and the healing that Jesus provides. But there's also no question that he decidedly, for one reason or another, and, and again, maybe it's just the natural instinct of something amazing happened and you want to tell somebody, but he decided not to obey. What I want to ask, I'm just going to kind of be transparent with you as I study this passage. What I want to ask of the passage is, why did Jesus command this? Why? Why? I mean, what do you want people to know about what? I mean, I, this is, I'm looking at it from the man's point of view. But the real issue that we need to ask, the real question, rather, we need to ask about is, why did he disobey? And in disobeying Jesus, what did he give up? What did it cost him? Let me kind of turn it back on us for a second. Jesus paid it all. Do you agree with that? I do. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Uh, sin left its crimson stain, but I'm left white as snow. Because of the blood of Jesus, I have no sin in my life. I do not have to pay a debt. I go to heaven when I die. I don't have to be condemned. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation because I am in Jesus then why, oh, why do I want to disobey him? I know in this case, it's about him, this man that just telling somebody about his healing. And we always want to downplay it, don't we? It's, it's just that one thing. It's just that one issue, that one problem. It's, it's just something, it's a little thing. But what we have to understand is we're hurting ourselves in the process. We're hurting ourselves in the process. As far as I know, if, 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 if I'm interpreting this correctly, that the man never went to the priest, according to the Bible, according to the law of Moses, he was never fully clean. He might have tried and he may have been able to pass and get into integrated society, but he was never fully clean. He couldn't, he could not in a right and just way reintegrate with the people of God. And when you break the law of God, you put yourself at odds with God. And I mean that, I know if you're an unbeliever, absolutely the case. We know that there is literally hell to pay. But if you're a believer and you break the law of God, you are putting yourself on that the chastising rod. I, I remember when I was growing up, uh, you didn't want to cross mom and daddy. You didn't want to disobey them because there was punishment. I, I know in my household, I'm, I'm probably the, the soft one here. My wife, though, on the other hand, my, you talk to my boys, they'll tell you, mama, you mama's serious. You don't want to break, you don't want to cross my mom's not gonna kick you out of the house. She's not gonna, she's not gonna disown you. That's not the case, not at all. But 
you're going to disappoint her and it's, you're going to have, you're going to have to face some chastisement. So you're hurting yourself, but then pay attention to this. I, I stopped reading in verse 45. Keep reading. He says there that he started blazing this matter abroad in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. You're also hurting other people when you sin. Jesus now was no longer able to go into the cities because this man had broken Jesus's commandment. He told him to do this and he didn't do it, or rather he told him not to and he did it. And now Jesus had to go out in the wilderness and people had to go find him out there. How many people, and, and Mark, I don't think is trying to give us a number here. That's not what he's saying, but just think about this. How many people were not healed? How many people didn't get released from demons? How many people were affected by this? Because we have this man who heard Jesus's command and he chose, you know what? I think I'm going to do it my way instead. And on top of that, don't miss that he's hurting the Lord in his, in his, in his, uh, in his disobedience too. Jesus had some purpose in telling this man to go to the priest. I think part of it is just to obey the law that he had set down himself, but maybe it could have had an impact on the priest. I mean, the religious order, if they'd have seen this man coming to do exactly what the law prescribed after he'd been healed by Jesus, I don't know. And I don't know that Mark's not really trying to answer that, but, but you can see that there was, there was something that was left out that maybe it was part of Jesus's plan. I, Jesus had a plan. In fact, in Mark chapter one, if you read there, he says, listen, we got to go and tell the gospel to all the, the cities, but now he can't go to the city anymore. Jesus had an intention that he was going after, but that intention had to be interrupted. Now, now don't miss me. The Lord is not, he's not up in heaven saying, oh no, I can't do anything now. That's not what I'm trying to say. By no means, God is sovereign. God works in spite of us. Thank you, Jesus, that you work in spite of my foolishness. But could you imagine if we would be obedient to the Lord on those small things? I can say, and I'll just give you this, my own personal testimony. I won't give a lot of details because it's none of your business, but I'll give you enough to hopefully kind of get your mind going. I believe that there have been opportunities for me to serve and to, to, to do things for the Lord to do good ministry, to do work in certain ways that because of things that I've been disobedient in, in my life, and I know that, and I am working through those things with my savior right now, even as we speak, but because of disobedience, ways that I've not been willing to obey in the past, that there have, and rightly so, that God has taken those ministry opportunities away from me. And I believe that there's some of you that are facing the same thing, that Jesus has been so gracious to you. He's been so loving to you. He's been so kind to you. Yet because there's some area of disobedience in our lives, he's not working in that way. Again, it's not we're not tying God's hands. God is able to do what he's going to do, but we're missing out. Do you understand that? The good news is that Jesus is, as, as he says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30, he is meek and lowly in heart. He, his burden is light, but we have to take his yoke upon us and we have to learn of him. Jesus loves you. He does intensely. He's kind. He's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's helpful. He's healing and he's forgiving and he's giving in so many ways for every person. And I mean that to a person. I don't even know who all of you are that may hear this. I mean, to a person that hears what I'm saying, he does all of those things for you. 
But if you accept his forgiveness, which is free, he does not charge for it. He does not expect anything in return for you. He simply is offering his grace. But the minute you accept his grace, the minute you accept that, he is going to say, listen, if you're to be blessed, if you are to abound, if you are to serve, I'm going to make some demands of you. You're not going to fully understand all of his reasons, and that's not the goal. That's that's actually a little arrogant of me to even want to expect to understand all of his reasons, but I'm not. But he has decided to focus his world-changing, world-creating power on you in time for your need and your problem. So when he says, repent and believe, repent and believe. When he says, come after me, come after him. When he says, obey my word, obey his word. That's the study for you for this week. I hope it's been a a challenge, an interest, concern, uh, maybe gives you something to think about. Um, It certainly has me. It's uh, kind of been convicting for me this week. Next week, we'll go into uh, the next time we get together, rather, and I'll explain that just a moment. We will get into chapter uh, chapter two, uh, look at the the story there where he heals the the man who is uh, uh, sick of the palsy, I believe it is. Yeah, he's got that um, palsy. And uh, we'll talk about that next next time. I am going to take a, a break here for next week. It's Christmas is coming up. It's actually coming up rather quickly. And uh, I'm going to take a break for that week. And many of you probably have a lot of other things going on, but I'm going to go ahead and take a break and I'll, I'll get back with you in the new year. In the meantime, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and uh, have a wonderful, blessed and prosperous new year. I uh, pray that the Lord will uh, in, uh, uh, bless each one of you. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a great gift for to be able to be with you this year in the study. And uh, y'all take care and we will see you in the new year.